0: Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Like I said, my name's Kylem. I'd like to just maybe throw up a picture of my family, my wife, and uh, kids couldn't be here. That's us doing our very nerdy... Sort of Star Wars y sort of family. That's a good day for my son, for all you Star Wars nerds, because that's when he realized he was my father. And so he essentially just bossed me around the entire day thinking he was my dad. Once he found out that, his life was completely changed. I'm in charge. I will tell you what to do all day. And he learned very quickly that's how you get a sore bum. But other than that, uh, so that's my wife, Carly. Uh, on the left, Gigi or Georgia is her name, is the little one. She's now three, so she's a little bit bigger. Uh, that's Fletcher in the middle, holding his sword. He ended up getting a really cool one by the end of the night. Dude had like a real one. That was awesome. That was cool. And then that's Maddie. So she just shot everyone. So the whole night, pretty much, my family just went around. We just tried to kill everybody on the night. And we had a really, really good time. And Gigi just kind of covered it with all of her cuteness. And then we got away with it. You know, it was really good. That's why kids are awesome, right? They help you get away with so much stuff. I love kids. So there, my pride and joy and my wife uh, does an awesome job. Any of you mums here... You're amazing. You honestly are. You're incredible for what you do, and uh, I'm very, very grateful to have her and my kids. So, if you'd love to pray for me, I would like some more. So, if you want to help me out with that, uh, ask God. I believe He answers prayers. That'd be really cool. My wife's saying no, but that's okay. God can work on hearts. I've seen that. That's happened before. Uh, She still loves me. That's a good thing. Uh, So, yes, that's my family, and uh, we're enjoying life, and it's been really cool. So, it's great to be with you tonight. The guys have asked me to share... Uh, The topic was the daily grind, so essentially we're going to look at work, and I just want to share a couple of quotes with you that I found uh, on work. Uh, One was by the name of Thomas Edison, and he said, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. Another guy by the name of Confucius said, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. How many loved that one growing up? You're like, man, if I can just find that job. How many found it? (laughs) <laughs> okay, a couple of us. Great. We can all hate on those few people. It's like, I hate you. This sucks. We never found that job. Okay, work is a massive part of our lives. We spend more time in our lifetime working than we do anything else. We, we spend more time at work, probably than sleeping, probably than with friends and family. And so it's a huge part of our work. And so tonight, what I want to do is I want to look at work through the lens of the Christian narrative, the Christian story. So I'm going to put up a slide. Essentially, the, the story of the Bible, basically, you can kind of chunk it up into four sort of scenes. There's a creation story, where God creates everything. He orders it. He puts it into place. Then there's the fall story. This is where man rejects God, rebels against God. And all the way through the Old Testament, it's pointing to a... It's kind of leading up to this point where a man named Jesus, a God-man, would come and start to redeem the world. That's the redemption story. And at the end of the book, we see... The restoration story where the God actually comes and redeems and restores the whole world and puts it all back together. And so what I want to do, I want to walk, walk sort of through these four sort of lenses, these four scenes of the story, but interject it from the lens of work. And how do we understand work? What is work? Why do we work? How do we find joy in work? How do we be, uh, become people that work in a way that is fruitful? And so we want to start off with just the idea of the creation of work. So in the beginning, when we read the story, we, we find out in the very, very beginning of the first four verses that God is a God that works, okay? This slide will come up. It'll have a scripture on there. It says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. Literally, if you continue reading on throughout the first chapter of Genesis, you see that God keeps creating different things on different days. Essentially God is working, He's molding, He's structuring, He's shaping, He's painting a beautiful, beautiful picture. Our God is a God that works. I love that. I love that about God. He is crafting like a master craftsman and turning chaos into beauty. Literally He is creating everything out of nothing. It's incredible. But there are two things that we learn about God and His work. That one is that they are categorized by joy. At the end of every day, God celebrated. Every day. Wouldn't that be a good day? Wouldn't that be a good job if at the end of every day you got to come home and go, that was good. God creates something on one day, and then he celebrates it and goes, that is good. Next day, creates it, that is good. Creates it, that is good. God's creation, as he's creating, it is categorized with this overflow of joy. Everything he does, everything he puts his hands to, he gets joy out of. That is how God works. It says in, in Genesis 1.31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The other thing is that he, uh, he works in service to His actual creation. Everything in creation gives God glory, right? If you're a Christian, we believe that. We believe that when we look up into the stars, when we look at creation, it glorifies, it reflects God. But here's the thing, God didn't just create it to reflect Him, He actually created it to our benefit. Everything we know about the earth and the the environment, I'm I'm not a really smart dude, I go to my wife for this information, she's the one who's got all the intelligence. It's really cool. My kids are kind of working that out. They realize dad's dumb. That's why he's in pastoral ministry. Mum's smart. That's why she teaches. Okay. Uh, But all the things that I talk to my wife about, you learn that there are just so many key little dials. Literally, scientists have said there's about 100 different dials that if you just turn in one degree, there's no life on earth. The axis of the earth, the distance from the sun to the earth, the amount of oxygen in the air, everything is so scaled and so detailed that it actually benefits and brings life. God in His creation does it out of joy, but He also does it to the service of the creation. He just doesn't do it just purely for Himself. God, by definition, doesn't need glory. He is self-satisfying. He is dependent upon Himself, but He works for those that he creates. So he didn't create out of a necessity, he didn't create out of a lack, but he creates out of fullness and he creates for the benefit of his creation and by definition, his creation reflects his nature. So we see in the beginning that God is a worker who works in joy and service. And on that sixth day, we see that God creates humans and he makes humans very distinct from all of creation. This is one of the things that separates the Christian worldview from an evolutionary worldview is we are not the same as animals in the Christian story. We are not the same as trees, we are distinct. The reason we are distinct is because we are the only things in which God created in His image. Everything else was, God just tells it what to do and it does it. He creates stars, it it reflects some degree of the nature of God, but humans, we are different, we are distinct from all other creation. And so God creates us as His image bearers. And as image bearers, what do you think we might do? Work. This is what he does. He comes and gives humans instructions. Literally in Genesis 1:28, he says, and God blessed them, and he said to them, "Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth." So God gives them two main job descriptions. One is to multiply, multiply image bearers. So you are image bearers, Adam and Eve. You are image bearers. I want you to multiply and create more image bearers. That would Work And the other thing was to subdue, that is to work, to create, to shape a physical world and live in that world together. Anyone into fantasy, sort of movies? Awesome, too. This is going to go really, really well. Okay, there we have in our society, we have this thing that we are interested in fantasy, where we see these new worlds being created. The reason that we are interested in it, the reason that it intrigues us is because that's what we were actually created to do. It's actually part of what God made us to do. God actually said, here, here's the world, here is earth, subdue it, create, form, shape, and be like I have been, except we don't do it out of nothing, we do it out of something, right? Because we're not God. So, he gives us the raw materials, and then we use those things to create. Literally, by the time you get to chapter 4, Cain builds a city. It's what he was designed to do. It's what he was created to do. But, The humans also do it in joy. Notice it said He blessed them. We live in a day where having children is seen as sort of like this problem to be avoided, rather than a privilege to be enjoyed. God created it that multiplying and image-bearing and having children would be a blessing to our lives. He also made it that work would come and be categorized by joy and service to others, because we're going to go and build this city, we're going to go and build this world, we're going to go and create out of the things that he's given us to create, in order to form a a world in which we live in, for the benefit of each other. So, work was to be a blessing to them, and it was to serve their future family, their future friends, because like God, God would, uh, work would be done in joy and service. So, work was a gift of God, sorry teenagers, not a curse of sin. It was a blessing, not a consequence. It was a we get to, not something we have to do. So originally in the creation story, we see that this is what makes us human. It's what distinguishes us from the rest of creation. We were made to accomplish. We were made to create. We were made to explore. We were made to cultivate. We were made to paint. We were made to teach. All of the different things that we do, building, designing, this is all part of who we are. And the first two jobs are to be parents and gardeners. I love that. Real roles to play, real work to do. So in the creation story, we see that God works in joy and service, and humans work in joy and service. That's not our experience, though, right? I mean, I'm already looking at some parents here like, man, these kids got to go to school tomorrow. Are you kidding me? You know what I've got to do by the time I get home? You you know how many lunches I've got to pack? You know what I'm saying? And that kid, he ain't going to put his shoes there. He's going to put them there. That's what I'm going to want to you know what I'm saying, we, and when we're thinking about work, and we've got these things, it's the last day, the holidays, and all this stuff, our experience tells us that something's wrong with this story, hey, what we experience is we don't always experience joy, we don't always do stuff out of serving, and just, mmm, mmm, um, you got that dude who's like, really annoying, he's like, dude, have your coffee, you know what I mean, it's like, you you I'm making that coffee, going, I'm going to make this, see that man, Mark Broadbent, I'm just going to make this coffee with just so much love, love the man here, I just, Mm, oh, bless you brother you know what I mean like not every day everything that we do is it in service because something happened Adam and Eve rebelled against this God they went against their design they went hold up we've been here for a little while now us parents who've got little kids we understand that this kind of clicks in at some points like hey I've been here for four seconds i my daughter Maddie she's five she knows everything everything I'm wrong about everything and you're trying to tell her hey don't do it that way you're probably gonna it's not mm, okay 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 awesome didn't it go the way I told you this is what Adam and Eve did Adam and Eve just went hey yo we got this we're not going to listen to you so I know you told us not to eat from that tree because when we do death will come and it'll start to fracture and break everything but we think we know what we're going to do we're going to go and do it they started to serve themselves So, their life now starts to get categorized, not by serving others and serving the benefit of their future family, but actually by what they see and what they need. So, they disobey God and they lose their freedom. See, in this culture, we live in Australia. I love Australian culture. There's so much good about Australian culture, but there's there's so much wrong about our culture. Our culture believes that freedom means to do whatever you want. That's our country's definition. That's our Western concept of freedom freedom is not being able to do what you want freedom is living according to your design tim keller uses a good example about a fish like imagine you have a fish and it's an aussie fish right because aussies we, we don't tell me what to do you know what I mean? i'm mean? i an aussie i'll smash it right i can drink more beer than you i'm way more tougher than you don't you tell me what to do so imagine you've got this aussie fish who's swimming around he's like yo i'm an aussie i'm an aussie don't tell me what to do mate i want to live on land Right? And the fish is like, and, and, and all of his Aussie mates like, yeah, mate, you tell that government, they can't tell you nothing, mate. I hate that. What are they? The left, the right? Who cares? We hate them all. Let's get on land. And so all their fishy mates are like, yeah, we're going to do it. And they're telling their friends, everyone's like, yeah, this is awesome. They go on land, and how does it go? Not so well. They were more free in water with restrictions than they were on land with no restrictions, because freedom comes when you live according to your design. We were designed to work, but we were designed to work in a certain way. And this is what they did. They fractured their freedom. So, so immediately, their relationship with God gets fractured. Their relationship with each other gets fractured. Their relationship to themselves gets fractured, and their relationship to creation and to work itself becomes fractured. So God's amazing design, God's incredible plan starts to get thwarted and broken. And immediately we see in Genesis 3 that Jesus, uh, God comes to them and He starts outlining some of the consequences, some of the effects of their decision. And one of the effects straight away is that having children is going to be hard now. So over here, multiply, be blessed, have kids, create more image bearers. It's going to be awesome. Now it's going to be enjoyable and sometimes endurable. You're going to experience pain. He also comes to the man. He starts talking to him about work and now how the sweat of your brow. Listen to what it says here in Genesis 3.17. It says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. Don't interpret that wrong. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Just going to encourage some of you men. Just get some context because that could go really bad for you. Okay. And you've eaten the tree which I commanded. You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles. I hate weeding. I hate it so much. It shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. It's an interesting picture. I don't understand whether it's sweat and bread, and we just eat that thing together. I don't know how that goes, but anyway. It says, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taking, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So now their, their work is now being categorized not by joy and service, but by pain and selfishness. It's fractured. It's broken. Work has now changed for us. We feel this. We live in this. There are so many different ways in which work is affected. We now have bad days. Anyone here had a bad day last, last couple of weeks at work? Hands up. Yeah, OK, we've got a few honest people. The rest of you, you've got awesome jobs. Just let me know what they are. This would be great to know. I'd like to get into. I've had some really, really bad days at work. My worst ever day at work, I was, I was 23 years of age, and I was on my way to being married. I was engaged. This is a good time. This is when you're working really hard. You're saving as much money as you can because she wants a lot of extra things at the wedding that you don't really think you need, but you need to work because you, know, you want to marry her and all that sort of stuff. So you're working, 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 working. One day, I caught this lady stealing. I was at City Beach. I was in retail. And this lady comes in. I caught her stealing tell the manager, she gets kicked out, security come, anyway, as she's leaving, she starts yelling out that she's going to come back and stab me with a needle that has some type of disease in it that she currently has, and I'm like, that's awesome, bye, Bye bye-bye, lady, because she's getting dragged away by security, I'm like, "That's, that's awesome, I had no, like, in my head, I thought, there's no way this psychopath is coming back, two weeks later, I'm working, I'm doing my thing, and I just see this lady, like, like, from miles away, just walking down. And I was just like... And all I could see was this needle in her hand. And I was just like... Oh, my God! So I get, like, the, the roller door thing. I get the roller door thing. And she gets right to the front. And literally, like, I love women. And I'm against any type of abuse. But I'm hitting her so hard right in here. I'm smacking her. I'm going, don't you come in! I'm a Christian saying some words. i be going, don't you come in! We've got kids screaming. everyone screaming. People are running around. Eventually, a security guy comes in, just sort of tackles her from side, gets her on the ground, grabs the needle, takes her off. That was a bad day at work. I recently had another bad day at work where literally everything was going wrong in my day. Everything. And I was getting frustrated. You know know that feeling? Like frustrated. Like why can't anybody do what I'm asking them to do? Or why when I do this, isn't it ready? And and I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting frustrated. So I had enough. I'm going to go get a massage. I'm going to relax. And after that massage, life's going to be good. You know what I mean? Because massages make everything better. So I go and have a massage, but you know when you come out of a massage and then you're kind of like in the zombie land? So I'm in zombie land. I get in my car and I'm like fully like, oh, this is awesome. Turn my car to hop out and forget that I was next to a trolley bay. Bang. Hit my car. Then I'm, I'm hitting the steering wheel going, I hate this day. I hate this day. I hate this day. Anyway, but when you get home you've got to be like Christian. Christian dad. So I drive home. I get on home like, hey everybody. Wife's like, What's going on? I said, oh, I kind of dinged the car a little bit. I had a pretty bad day. But let's not talk about the day. Then we do a prayer thing in our, in our time with our kids, right? And so we're sitting around and we do a prayer thing where at the end of every day, you have to pick one thing that you're grateful for. And so I'm sitting there, kids saying, I'm so grateful for this. One. I'm so grateful. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm sitting there and in my heart, I'm like, I don't want to thank God for that car because I'm so angry right now that I pranked it. And so I grip my teeth and I'm like, I'm thankful that we have a car. To which my son goes, yeah, but didn't you prang it today, Dad? Didn't you crash it? I'm like, get of the smoke! It's just shut up my line. We have bad days. That is because of the fall. That is because something is fractured in our world. Work now frustrates us. We design things that don't work all the time. We build things that don't last. We teach things that don't stick, and we serve people who aren't grateful. Work controls us. We get stressed and worried, moody and irritable, and we take it out on the people that we love. We bring work home. We dream about work. I hate that. We fight about work. We have to work so many hours. We have to do a certain standard of work, and often we sacrifice relationships for a quality of life for work. Work defines us. We now allow our salary, our title, our position, our power, our possessions, and our prosperity to define who we are. Rather than God, we work from a place of getting rather than from a place of giving. And when we get that job and when we get that that sort of salary and that position, we think we'll be satisfied, but when we get it, it doesn't. Work tires us. We work and work and work, giving all of our time, all of our energy, and it burns us out. We no longer only enjoy our work, we sometimes tolerate it, we sometimes endure it, and we get from it what we need so that we can have a break from it. That is often our experience. You may have had a teacher who had that experience. Remember when you had that teacher who shouldn't be teaching anymore? Remember that? Mr. Broadbent might be one of those, I'm not sure, but no. But thirdly, here's the good news, the redemption of work. Adam brought into the world a curse of death. Romans 5 talks about Jesus being a second Adam who comes to now redeem and start to restore death to life. It's beautiful. It's awesome. Adam brought into the world rebellion and with it the curse of death, which destroys everything that is good, including work. And Jesus enters the world to be what Adam could not be and to bring life and to redeem everything. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus, he is the the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In other words, Jesus is the perfect image bearer. He's the God-man. He's the one who is actually imaging God the way that we should. We don't image God perfectly, but Jesus comes and He images God perfectly. He, he, uh, I've written here, Jesus is the perfect image bearer, redeeming the human existence, being and living what Adam and what we could not. And like Adam, Jesus was given a job to do, showing us how to be image bearers even in our work. So I want to give you a couple things of how Jesus redeems work. Number one, He models image bearing through ordinary work what is the first job that Jesus had? Carpentry. Thank you. Good work. He was a carpenter. Jesus didn't come on the planet and go, ta-da, pastor is here. Let me preach to you all. Let me come up with my awesome three points of like creation of work, fall of work, Redemption of work and restoration of work, how do you like it? He, he doesn't come onto the scene and just do all this incredible stuff. He comes onto the scene and works an ordinary job in an ordinary town serving ordinary people building ordinary things. He shows us what it means to be human is to work. He's redeeming what it means to be human. The God of the universe is on earth, wrapped in flesh, here to save his people from sin, and the first thing he does is work an ordinary job. Possibly, we don't know how long, possibly for 20 years, no one knew he was God. Nobody thought he was anything special, but here was Jesus showing us that bearing the image of God is included in doing our work. Immediately, he lets us know that all those little, menial, mundane things that we do in our work mean something because it's imaging God, which was our first purpose of life. We were created as image. So, whether you teach, whether you're in construction, whether you're in retail, whether you're in a stay-at-home mum, all that we do has value and meaning because we are imaging a good God. That's our work. The second thing is He models joy and service in work. We don't see a lot of what He does as work. We only get a few little glimmers into it. But we see right at the end when He does the ultimate and the hardest work of going to the cross and dying for sinners to bring us back to a right relationship with Jesus, that He did so with joy. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Mark ten forty five says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as the ransom for many. So immediately we see that Jesus does his work in carpentry or whether he's doing the work of redemption on a cross for humanity, he is doing it in joy, he is doing it in service. Exactly what we were created to do and exactly as his father had been doing. Do you see that? So he's showing us this is how we work. He models freedom in work. In our culture, we are told that what you have and what you do and what you wear and how you look and what you drive and where you live is what gives you your identity. It's not true. What gives you your identity is who is your father. My dad, he used to have this awesome saying, which I have not continued on, which was, You're a Lewis, son. You're a Lewis. I don't know how many times I got sat in a chair, What are we, son? what are we? I'm just like, I don't want to be a Lewis, I want to change my last name, I ain't being a Lewis, because this speech kills me, because I've heard it a million times, but he just, you're a Lewis, you're a Lewis, you're a Lewis, what he's saying is, I'm your dad, this is who we are, and out of who we are is what we do. What we do does not define us, who we are leads to what we do, does that make sense? And so for Jesus, he doesn't work for approval, He doesn't work for anything because his identity is in who? His dad. So This is beautiful because this this frees us, right? We don't have to work to get people's approval. We don't have to work to find our way up to a status so we can feel good about ourselves. We, those of us in in this room who are Christians, we are followers of Jesus. We put our faith in Jesus. We have a dad who created the world. right? So when, when you feel like you don't own a lot, just remember what your dad owns. He owns, like, planets and stuff. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a lot. I know. He probably named Pluto after you. I don't know. Right? My dad, if God really exists and he really is my father, he is the creator of me, I immediately have value. I immediately have intrinsic meaning and purpose in this life. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to prove anything to get that. I already have that. This changes everything. The Christian worldview is awesome for work because now it frees us to not have to work to get something. We already have something. So we work from a place, not to get something. Does that make sense? Completely changes how you work. Completely changes. If you are working to try and promote yourself and to try and climb a corporate ladder because when you get this, you'll have that, it'll drive you insane because now you're going to try and get something from something that doesn't really even exist. But the gospel tells me, Jesus shows me that he lived from a place where I have a father and I'm secure in him. So I don't need to prove anything to anyone, which is why he could be quiet when they're putting him to trial. Because he's like, I don't have to prove anything to you. I am who I am. I'm a Lewis. (laughs) That's who I am. Thanks, Dad. That's so good. So Jesus' work on the cross has now brought us back into a right relationship with God as our Father. So we don't work for an identity, we work from an identity. It's interesting. I had an experience when we had the Brisbane floods. I don't know if anyone, did anyone here go down and serve and help clean houses and stuff? We took a whole bunch of our church, about 20 people We went down and we cleaned. And I I remember walking, we sort of walked down this path, this massive path, and then you kind of hit this road and all you could see was like mud. It was, it was unbelievable, and so you go down this big ditch, and so they, they would just pick a house and say, you're number 22, send about eight or six of us into that house, and you walk into the house, and literally the house that I walked into, she, she had three little kids. Her husband, the night before, had hurt his foot, so he was in hospital. She was on her own. There was mud all the way up on the first floor and about a meter up on the second floor. It stunk. We had to get every single thing out. I mean, it was the worst thing you could experience so just imagine mud everywhere and we have to scrub every single bit of mud off we have to get every single bit of furniture out and I never heard one person complain the entire time in fact I served in a house with people of five different other religions and we got on fine do you know why because we were there to serve and we actually walked out enjoying our day the most alive I've ever seen people in my church be was when they gave up an entire day. I'm talking 10 hours of scrubbing walls of dirt and mud and just like we were disgusting and everybody walked away glowing because they had just given their life away to something that was greater than them. They didn't do it for anything. They just did it and they walked away going, that was awesome. That's because they were living according to their design. They were designed to live that way. They were designed to work in joy and service and when we do it's invigorating. It's incredible what it can do for the inside. So we were made to work, but not defined by work. Work is a part of our life, but it doesn't have to control our life. If we don't get that job, if we don't get that promotion, it's okay. God's our Father. He he knows exactly what we need. It's okay. We're not failures. If we do get that job, that's awesome because now that's another opportunity to serve. So, it doesn't puff me up and make me think that I'm better than anybody because I got this job. It's like, wow, God, God, you're stewarding me with that position and that power? Wow, I'm privileged and honored by that. How can I now use that to serve humankind and serve human flourishing? And so, either way, it doesn't condemn us, it doesn't bring us low, and it doesn't puff us up because we realize we are all equal at the foot of the cross, and God uses all of us in different ways. If our employer doesn't show us appreciation for our work, that's okay. Because we're there to serve God and to please God. And He already has given us His approval. So I don't need to do this to get anything from you. I remember my mum once said, like this is probably the second most annoying saying my parents ever said to me. My mum used to say this all the time. Oh, it took so long to understand it. But she used to go, if you want to be a servant... Stop getting upset when you get treated like one. I was like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh, and I could never come back with anything because it was like, that's true. If I'm doing this for you to benefit you, then it doesn't matter what you give me. Because that's not why I'm doing it. See how that frees you to do whatever it is that. You do. He models, lastly, that no work can justify. See, if the religious elite couldn't work their way up to God through religious work, then no work can justify our lives. If religious workers were unable to earn the favor of God, then no work or deed is able to gain favor with God. This means there's no divide between, between secular and spiritual, which means what I'm doing right now is no more valuable than the teacher who's going to go to work tomorrow and teach year four students. It's no difference. There is no secular spiritual divide. We do this, don't we? Well, that's a really... Man, if I... You know, I should... I only teach. I haven't sold my home and gone over and been a missionary over there. Like, they're doing awesome stuff. But what I do here in painting and factory work and that... You know, that's okay, but it's not as good as that. Incorrect. How are you designed? What has God called you to do? What has God gifted you to do? There is no... Divide. I love what 1 Corinthians ten thirty one says. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Or Colossians three seventeen, it says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Here's the key. Everyone here who works is in full-time ministry. We just get our paychecks from different places. But we are all working 24-7 for God. That's awesome, because now we don't have to look up or look down at anybody. We're all the same. We're all just serving our God. And lastly, the restoration of work. The Bible teaches that Jesus came to reverse the curse of sin and death. He did so through his death, burial, and resurrection. And the work of restoring our right relationship with God, he's already done that work. But his project of restoration of the entire human race and the earth and the world has not yet been completed. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work in them. It also tells us at the end of the story that the great carpenter, the God-man, who was started off as a carpenter, has been building a city. And when he finally comes on that second time of coming back, there will be a city... That he has been building and building and building and building and building. And literally, when you start to look at the coordinates that the book of Revelation gives, the city is about the size of Australia. And it's going to be remarkable. And in the beginning of the story, in the creation story, when there were two trees, there are now going to be two trees there and all they do is give life. And this great carpenter, this God-man who made the work that we couldn't do, he came and did it and brought us back to God, has also been working still with his human God man hands. He hasn't stopped working. I love this. And then in his process of restoring this world, he calls us to do the things that he's gifted us to do. To teach, to, to train, to equip, to build, to paint, to, to do all the things that He has gifted us to do. As part of his way of redeeming and restoring this world now. So remember, when you're struggling, to let your work be categorized by joy. And service, remember a few things. Remember that this is not how it's always going to be. One day, He's coming back. He will restore everything back to full life, including work. It will always one day be fruitful, it will always one day be enjoyable. I look forward to the day that my kids don't remind me of crashing cars. Things we design won't fail, things we build will last, things we teach will stick. People we serve will be grateful. It will always be joy to us and in service. But between this age and that age, we've got to hold on to that hope. Some days will be fruitful, other days will be fruitless. Some days will be enjoyable, some days will be endurable. What we've got to do is we've got to hold on to those enjoyable, fruitful days. And see it as as an opportunity to glorify and worship and be thankful to God to go, wow, this is a sign of what is to come. And on the days when it's not, is to be reminded that that there is a day that is coming that it won't be like this anymore. And so both those days point us back to Jesus and we come back to him and we thank him for his work on this earth of redeeming and beginning this process of restoration. Both days can point us to him. Remember, while your job isn't always enjoyable and fruitful now, it has internal implications, value and worth now. Now. God has designed you specifically for work. All of our work, big and small, whether construction, whether education, whether hospitality and retail, whether it's stay-at-home parenting or Christian vocational work, it all contributes to Jesus' restoration of the human flourishing. Tim Keller says this, he says, everyone will be forgotten. Nothing we do will make any difference and all good endeavors, even the best, will come to naught unless there is a God. If the God of the Bible exists and there is a true reality beneath and behind this one, and this life is not the only life, then every good endeavor, even the simplest ones pursued in response to God's calling, can matter forever. Your smallest, mundane, menial, everyday, ordinary tasks matter. They have eternal value and weight to them when you spend time with your kids and turn your phone off and don't be on Facebook or Instagram and give them time teaching them and training them, it has eternal implications. When you teach and train at school and you teach those students to the best of your ability, it has eternal implications. When you build and you put your hands to use, I'm terrible with my hands. I wish I could do something with them, but I can't, so I just do this. That's all I got, All right, So I just do that. That's why I do that a lot because it's like, man, it's pretty awesome, right? See that? Okay. When you use your hands and you build things, it is It is imaging a God. It is showing the world what our God, our Creator, looks like. So I'll finish with just this encouragement. Work. Work hard. Work well. Do the best that you can. Take your skill set. Take your education. Take your personality. Take your life experience and do your job the best you can, knowing that it is a means of God's grace to you and others. It is a way to bear the image of a good God who loves the world and works in joy and service and ultimately trust in his finished work, which will free you to work from and not for as he does and as he has done. Can we pray? God, we thank you. Jesus, we want to just honor you and thank you for the work that you have done on the cross that your ultimate hardest work of laying down your life and sacrificing your life to be able to redeem and restore us back into a relationship with God makes our work come from a very, very different vantage point. And God, some of us in this room are tired. Some of us here are frustrated with the jobs that we have. Some of us are controlled and feel manipulated and, and we can't get out of certain spaces and God, I pray tonight as we walk away and as we, we go back into school with our kids and we go back into just the ordinary lives that we live, I pray that you would just help us to be reminded of your goodness and your great work that you have done, that we'd see all the little things that we do from a different lens and from a different vantage point, and we wouldn't overlook them as being meaningless or empty, but they have value. And God, I pray ultimately that your spirit would help us to image you well. That we do all the things that we do. We do all the gifts and the abilities and the different things that you've given us. That we would use them in a way that does glorify you. It does show and bear your image well. And we look forward to the day that you return. And you finish this project of restoration. And we get to enjoy being with you. And enjoy serving each other for the rest of eternity. And that's only possible because of your work. And we thank you for that. Amen.